Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Marshall Lichty, and this is episode 213 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with John Israel of the Mr. Thank You Project. Today's podcast is brought to you by Podium, Gusto, Ruby Receptionist, and Case Text. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. Stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. You know, speaking of gratitude and in the spirit of today's podcast, we're about to celebrate 10 years. And I just want to say thanks to everybody. We all want to say that yeah. uh, for sticking with us for all or part of those 10 years. It's cool to celebrate 10 years and we couldn't do it without you. So this is a very genuine thank you. Yeah, for me too. Thanks so much for sticking with us and supporting us and trusting us and believing in us and letting us help you. It's been really rewarding and fun. And I hope we get to do it for another 10 years and beyond. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And speaking of thank yous, Sam, what uh, would, do we have any opportunity to thank people like today or tomorrow or the next day <laughs> or anything? Apart from this podcast, you know what? If you are en route to Tech Show, and my hunch is that a lot of our listeners are heading to ABA Tech Show in Chicago, or if you're near enough to hop in a car and go, you should show up. Uh, pass to the Exhibitor Hall is usually free and easy to sign up for. And it's really fun to just hang out at the hotel and hang out in the Exhibitor Hall and be a part of Tech Show, even if you're not going to the sessions. But if you're going to be there, a lot of those of us at Lawyerist will be there. I'm going to be doing a lot of filming with Lindsay. Marshall and Aretha will be there talking to vendors, learning what's new, trying to figure out what the trends are in technology. Ashley Fisher Nelson will be there. Aaron will be there. Anyway, a bunch of us are going to be there. And if you see us, please come up and say hi. I'd love to thank you for being a part of the lawyerist community, but I'd also just like to meet you and say hey. So we hope to meet you there. I think that's right. And, you know, the thing that we fail to appreciate because we're recording this a little bit early it feels weird to say this, but Tech Show starts today, so we'll see you there. <laughs> and now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Diana Steepleton from Ruby Receptionist, and then my conversation with Mr. Thank You, John Israel. Hi, this is Diana Steepleton with Ruby Receptionist. I'm the Vice President of Partner Engagement here. Welcome back, Diana. And today we are going to talk a little bit about lessons learned from the recent cyber attack on Ruby, but I wanted to tee this up with some of my own thoughts, which is often when a cyber attack is found in the news or when customers find out about it, somebody will inevitably say, this is why I'm going to another company. And I think that's misguided. Attacks are inevitable. Everybody gets attacked. And what you should pay attention to is how the company handles the attack and what they do about it afterwards. Are they communicative? Do they harden their systems? Because after an attack, they're a better company to work with than they were before the attack. And if you flee to an untested company, then all you know is that it's going to happen or that they don't talk about it when it does. So those are my thoughts on it. Diana, what are some of the lessons that you've learned that our listeners might be able to take away for their own firms? Yeah, I would say the first is that platform diversification really reduces risk. You know, we all know the general advice to diversify your investments in order to reduce risk and diversify your customer base to reduce risk of affecting your revenue streams. But we don't really think of diversification in terms of being risk mitigation strategy for other things, mm -hmm. IT. 
So while there are many benefits of consolidating your IT on a single platform like Windows, ease of administration and interoperability and all that kind of stuff, doing so can introduce risk and most viruses and attacks are designed to attack a single operating system or platform. If we had not had some of our backups on a different operating system and some of our customer applications on a different operating system, and indeed if we hadn't had some Apple users amongst us, <laughs> um, our recovery would have been so much harder and longer. So to date, our system diversification was really more of an organic thing than by design, but going forward, it will be intentionally part of our plan for resiliency and recovery. Gotcha. What else? Knowing the minimum setup you need to keep running is really crucial. So in the first hours after the attack, we were able to triage and focus on bringing back the minimum things we needed to be able to answer our customers' phones. Because initially when we were attacked, it was 100% everything was down. And so many people in the organization and uh, the cyber forensics data breach response firm, I think it's called the Crypsis group that was recommended and brought in, you know, they really focused us on what do you do? Which systems do you really need to get your basic service back up and running? And so we did that. And it was hard because everybody had various things that they wanted to focus on. They're part of the company that they wanted up and running. But to really know what you need to just provide your service or your product uh, was really key. And I mentioned communication as being really important. Ruby communicated a lot during this crisis. And so I, I think that's probably one of the things that you would keep in mind. For sure. We heard from many, many of our customers that the speed and regularity of our communication through the attack and during the recovery was really appreciated. Obviously, there were things we didn't know about the attack until much later in the recovery process. But as we learned things and we were able to bring service and functionality back to our customers, we kept them aware with regular and transparent updates. So levering all the communication channels that you have, you know, as we were originally hit, we couldn't even use email. We couldn't access a list of our customers. So we went to Twitter to try to bring them back or to you know, communicate them. <laughs> that we were trying to get our service back. Um, you know, not ideal, but as as each new method became available, we just layered on and we did what we could initially. And number four. Staying customer focused really reduced the overall impact. So we kept our customers and getting them back up and running as the core focus. It really helped to mitigate the negative impact on us. We prioritized the systems and the applications that we needed to continue delivering our service, knowing that it was the utmost importance just to be able to answer the phones for our small business customers. Gotcha. It made it creative on how we could handle questions. In fact, our customer happiness team, both on Friday and over the weekend, they're not normally in on the weekend, but they were here all day in including late Friday and all weekend. And they're taking calls on their cell phones because it was literally the only way we could answer phones at that point. So, you know, to just do what you can and stay focused on, on providing what your customers are looking for. Gotcha. Now that it's happened, what was the overall customer response? The customer response was kind of amazing. We were flooded with well wishes and emails from appreciation from our customers. We had people send us cookies and chocolates. And, you know, part of our mission here is really to provide wow-worthy service and excellent customer support. And it's not just about attracting new customers or keeping the ones that you have, but it's about having the strong history of putting customers first and delivering these great experiences for them and their customers so that it builds this trust that came through for us at this point you know, when we desperately needed people to trust us, that they had this good, solid foundation from us initially. And so they could look at this and say, okay, you did what you could in a horrible situation. So yeah. like you said, in the, initially, attacks are one of those things that everyone's going to face. It's like trying to vaccinate against the flu. There's only so much you can do. But if you can do your best for your customers up front and have them as a solid foundation when something like this happens, thankfully, they will stick with you. 
Very cool. I'm not even a little bit surprised by that. <laughs> if, listeners, if you want to learn more about Ruby, visit callruby.com slash lawyerist. My name is John Israel, as you all know at this point, and I am the founder of the Mr. Thank You Project, which is a global mission to inspire 74 million thank you cards written around the world. And I kicked it off in October of 2016 by committing to writing, uh, handwriting five thank you cards every day for 365 consecutive days, which was uh, a total of 1,825 notes of appreciation. It was a, <laughs> it was a crazy year. You know, a lot of cool things happened up from it. I got to write a book about it, did a TED talk on it, and lots of great things continue to come. So yeah, so now um, what I did when I first started the project is different from what I do now. Um, I was a corporate gifting consultant back in 2016. Yeah, I like I like the story about how you came to this. You you described yourself as a gratitude merchant. Yeah, yeah, or a, a, a gratitude salesman, as I, <laughs> I coined myself. So you know, I would go into companies and businesses, and and I, I would talk to them about their client and employee appreciation strategies. You know, what gifts do they give? How do they appreciate and acknowledge their employees? And it was a great space. I was there for about 10 years. And, you know, essentially I help people say thank you for a living. That's what I did. And in about 2016, I had this kind of a breakdown moment where I was, I was married. We had, I still am married, but I, I was married. We had <laughs> one child and uh, we had just decided we were going to move across the country from Southern California to Dallas, Texas, where I live now. And uh, we just, my wife had just left her job. So I was the sole income earner all of a sudden. And we found out we were expecting our second child. Mm -hmm. So it was like all this chaos showing up. And my, my job, which was about gratitude, had suddenly become a chore. It became like a thing to do in order to just survive and take care of my family. So I wanted to find some, uh, to, a way to revive my life, my business, and my career. So um, you know, I was, my life was all about gratitude, and that was a high value for me. But it's kind of interesting, Sam, because if you asked 100 people who know John Israel, what do you know about him? They might say some nice stuff, but I don't think they would say the word grateful or appreciative um, or even happy. You right. know, they might say driven and successful, but you know, I wasn't the most appreciative guy. So that seemed very inconsistent. So I, I love challenges. I love to do things for like a 30 day challenge, a year long challenge. And, and so I thought, you know, what's a way that I could challenge myself to experience and express gratitude at a high level every day for a year. And uh, I just thought about that concept of writing thank you cards and how they had meant to meant something to me. And I, I know that they're impactful to some people. And so that's what I decided to do on, on October 10th of 2016. I started the journey of writing five thank you cards every day for a year. And it was a crazy journey, man. Yeah. So uh, a previous podcast guest, Brad Johnson, recommended you to us to come on the podcast. And that's how you wound up here. Um, and when he mentioned writing thank you cards every day, I was trying to think about how I would even find five people a day to write thank you cards to. But you kind of got creative with that. Yeah. It, and that's one of the best things. And, and this is kind of from a, a social psychology standpoint, which is that most people people throughout life, um, we have what's called the negative bias, which, you know, every day when we wake up and we look at things, we're more prone to notice what's wrong than what's right. And so to have a commitment every day to have five people to write a thank you card to, you, you have to become a good finder. You have to constantly be just noticing and looking at people for like, what are they doing right that I could acknowledge them for? So it's a really interesting way to just kind of go through life. And, and on day three particular was, uh, well, there, you know, there's a couple of rules that were with the project. I think that's important for the mm -hmm. listeners to, to know. So there are four rules to the project. Number one is the cards had to be handwritten. 
written. So I couldn't do, I couldn't type them, couldn't email, couldn't be a text. No cheating, basically. No, no yeah. blasting out thank you cards. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and two, um, or I couldn't have my assistant do it either. I know that's for some people, it's part of their business process, which mm-hmm. I don't think is bad. But, you know, for me, it was, it had, I had to write them. Uh, two is they, it had to be five every single day and every morning it reset at zero. So by basically I didn't have to have them done by midnight, but I had to have them done before I went to bed. So that means I couldn't do 35 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So every day had to be five. Right. Uh, the third rule was I could write a max of three cards per person. And that was important because for me, I wanted to limit my, uh, cause I'm just, I know what I would do if I was like running short on people one day, I'd be like, Oh, I, I got to write one to my wife. You're right. I, I can write her one all the time, but it would totally <laughs> lose its luster on the 75th card, you know, just yeah. like, thank you, sweetheart, for getting the, you know, creamy almond butter. Cause you know, that's my favorite. And then, and then having of... your wife be annoyed with you for writing the 75th thank you card would exactly. kind of just totally. screw up the whole thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It would be anticlimactic there. So, so three cards max per person. Now I did, by the way, I did write four cards and five cards to some people, but I stopped counting it at three. So I yeah. did write more okay. than 1825, but that, that was just like my rule. Uh, and the fine, the final rule, which kind of shocked some people was that I put a, um, a dollar amount if I missed a day. Um, so I had a, a this, business coach I was working with and, and I was telling him about the project and he's like, wow, that sounds really interesting, but what happens if you miss a day? And I thought about it. I thought I had a great answer. And I was like, all right, if I miss a day, I'll donate a hundred dollars to charity. <laughs> right? And I was all proud of that. And he said, make it a thousand. Yeah. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why would you want me to donate a thousand dollars for every day I miss? He's like, well, I don't want you to miss any days, but let me ask you this. How likely is it throughout this year? You're going to donate a hundred or a couple hundred dollars to charity. And I was like, well, yeah, it's part of our, our process and our tithing. He's like, well, then you're giving yourself a way out. Mm-hmm. If what's on the line every day is a thousand dollars for not honoring your commitment, how many days are you going to miss? Yeah. I'm, I'm like, none. He's like, all right, well then add the zero, make it a thousand. So, <laughs> so that's, that's what was on the line every single day for 365 days. So you don't even necessarily need to know everything that happened to know that if, when you make a level of commitment like that adventure emerges. And so you had asked a specific question, which I want to answer, which is, you know, how did you come up with the five people every day? And like, that's why those rules were important because it gave me like some parameters of who, of who I could thank, but it also kept yeah. it really open. I did start by making a list of uh, everyone I know I wanted to appreciate. Um, so I think I came up with about 325, 350 people that I, I made a list of, like clients. That's not even a fifth of the way there. Family. <laughs> right. So there's a whole lot more there. So like clients, friends and family, past mentors, coaches, teachers, people who really influenced my life that I wanted to appreciate. But I really wanted to leave it open to like noticing it in the moment. So one day, it was day three of the project, I was boarding a plane from Los Angeles to Philadelphia for something called the Front Row Dads Retreat. And the Front Row Dads is a community I'm involved in of entrepreneurial fathers. And we get together twice a year to talk about how to become better husbands to our wives and fathers to our children while we run our businesses. And this is our first event. So this is about 40 of us entrepreneurs getting together. And so I was boarding this plane in Los Angeles to Philly. And I was thinking about, okay, who are my five people today? And the first thing I thought about was the pilots. And the reason why is because, you know, I fly a lot. And, you know, every time I pray for safe travel and to date, they've 100% delivered, right? So I got something <laughs> to appreciate them for. You're not, you're I, not dead. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I've also never formally thanked them. And I thought, that's interesting. Well, why don't, why don't I take that on? So... I board the plane and I, I asked the flight attendants for the names of the pilots, which I then learned is a very weird question to ask the flight attendants <laughs> as you're boarding a plane. <laughs> and she looked at me a little confused and I said, oh, I'm going to write him a thank you card. And 
And so she's like, okay, here you go. So she gave me the names and then I sit down and a really interesting challenge came up, Sam, which is this idea of how do you appreciate somebody that you don't even know? Mm -hmm. So the word appreciate, the root word for that or the, is, uh, has Latin origins of the word appretiare, which means to appraise or to set the value of a thing. And, you know, and it makes sense because if you've ever sold a, a house or bought a house or anything like that, you know that before the transaction occurs, you have to get an appraisal. You, there's a professional that's hired to come in and make an assessment. He's got a list of questions and a thing he fills out of like, you know, all the cracks, like what's great, what's bad, what's the location of this property, what are the comps of other properties around it, you know, does it have any roof damage? And they just kind of go through this whole laundry list. At the end of their, their assessment, they can say this property is worth this amount. Now, how do you take that concept? concept and apply it to a human being. It's a really interesting thought process. And so what I, what I came up with, it was just, you have to be curious. Mm -hmm. So I started asking myself these questions, which are like, well, what is this person's life like? You know, what do they care about? What are their biggest goals? What are their biggest struggles and challenges that they deal with every day? And this is essentially what came out, which was, um, you know, dear pilot, I know it might seem strange to receive a thank you card from a passenger, but as I boarded this plane, I realized how much I miss my family. And then I realized that this is what you do every single time you board the plane. And I can't imagine how many birthday parties, anniversaries, get togethers and important things that you've missed because of your job. Not to mention how how committed you are because you spent hours, hundreds of hours probably in preparation just to become a pilot. And all of that to fly through some turbulent storms and have a slightly bumpy landing only to have people complain about it. Mm -hmm. So whether you hear it enough or not, I just want to say thank you on behalf of myself and everybody on this plane. So it was it was relatively simple, but it was like that's what came to me when I thought about, you know, who these pilots must be and what they deal with. And so I wrote two of those cards for this flight. And, I, and as I walked off the plane, I handed it to the pilots because they were still kind of in the cockpit. And I handed it to them and then I walked off onto the next flight because there's two legs on this trip. And I did it on the next leg as well for those two pilots. So I gave out four cards to two sets of pilots. Now, here's what was crazy, Sam, is that I land in Philadelphia and, and within about 24 hours of being there. I, now, this what's interesting is I don't normally do this, but I, I gave them their thank you cards on my, my personal business stationery, which had my name, my phone number and my email on it. So here's what was crazy is that in 24 hours, I got an email or a text message from three out of the four pilots personally thanking me for the card that they received. Hmm. And one went on to tell me, you know, John, in my in my 12 years of flying, I have never received a thank you card from a passenger, hmm. which just blew me away because yeah, I'm thinking about, man, these guys have such significant, such big, such I mean, important it's surprising, but it's also not surprising, I guess. Like it, it's never occurred to me either, I guess. So right. it doesn't occur to most of us in, and this is the whole thing. It, it's like, well, that's their job. They're mm -hmm. just doing their job. Right. And to also realize that how do they now start to view their job when they're acknowledged by a complete stranger about it? They're, they're, what I notice is it starts to create this like deeper meaning and purpose. Like, wow, like what I do actually matters. Because how often in, in our work, whatever you do, that you've just wondered, like, does this really matter anymore? Does anyone actually care about this? Can I just give do a little bit less quality work? And is anyone even going to notice? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the, the fact that when people start to get acknowledged and appreciated, and this is where you can bring this into any business application with your staff or assistants or whatever that, you know, there's a real benefit and value there. So, and that's one of the things that I thought I was like, man, if it's like this for a pilot with such a big, significant job, what about everybody else in their lives, in their business, in their career, in their relationships, right? Like this is a big need. And the next part of that story was I landed in Philadelphia and we start the whole front row dads retreat and we had day one and it was a great time. We decided that it was a, also world series night. It was in October of 2016. So we decided to go to a, a hole in the wall bar and, you know, watch the, the world series and, and, um, 
you know, just kind of, you know, have some drinks and get in fellowship because we didn't really know each other yet. This is our first experience together. By the way, this is the event where I met Brad Johnson at. Oh, really? It's kind of funny. I'm just realizing this right now. Yeah. So we, uh, we go to this restaurant, uh, bar and it's a small little place and we walk in, there's four, just imagine the pic- picture of this, like 40 dudes just jump, like, r- like running into the bar. We didn't run, but you know, we walked into the bar. It was like very intimidating. And the one waitress looked at us and she, you could, she didn't have to say anything. You could just tell how she felt, which is like, oh my God, you guys just ruined my night. Like I was, you yeah. know, she's probably ready to clock in early or clock out early and go These home. These fucking guys. Yeah. We were going to keep her there all <laughs> night and we did. So her name was Shantae and, and, uh, you know, she wanted up being our server and, and she put us in a back room so we wouldn't annoy everybody else in the bar. And, and we had this great, this great evening. And, and while Shantae, we initially knew she was annoyed and having to take care of us, but she really warmed up to us and she did a phenomenal job and she took care of all of us and got all of our drink orders, food orders. And she even recruited the wait staff in the back to bring the food out to, to serve us. And she had just done a phenomenal job. So by the end of that night, you know, like one or two in the morning and I'm like, all right, she's my number five. She's my final card for the day. So I grab out some stationery as at this point, I keep it with me all the time and I write her a note and essentially what comes out is, you know, dear Shantae, you don't realize this, but we are a group of entrepreneurial fathers here for an event to learn how to become better husbands to our wives and fathers to our children. And tonight was all about fellowship. And we know we didn't come in with the reservation and we know you could have been annoyed, upset and given us crappy service and we would have completely understood. But instead, you are great. You are graceful. You took care of us. We had an amazing time. And tonight was as best as it could be because of you. So I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of myself and everybody in our group and put that note in a, an envelope. And I walk over to Shantae. She's sitting in the corner, kind of cashing out her tips and her receipts and everything. So I walk over and I, I hand her her thank you card and she accepts it awkwardly as most strangers do when I <laughs> hand them a thank you card. And, and, and I'm starting to leave and I realize, ah, oh, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. So I run back in the restroom and, and I, I, I go and I do my thing and I come back out and, and Shantae is standing there waiting for me with this like smile on her face and, and her head's kind of cocked to the side and she runs at me and gives me the biggest bear hug of my life and mm. says, that is the best tip that I've ever been given. And then she sets me down because uh, it was a big hug. And it was it was this moment of just like we just sat there and looked at each other for it might have only been five seconds, but it felt like a minute. And it wasn't customer server. You know, it, it was human being and human being. And that's where I really got the value of what this quote unquote, Mr. Thank you project was, which wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about me trying to be grateful or whatever, but it was really starting to get connected with some of human yeah. nature's deepest desires, which is one of the biggest needs people have is, is to be seen and to be seen for their, for their greatness, not just their weakness. Because again, we're mostly trained to point out what people are doing wrong or what's wrong with this situation. So it's really rare for people to get acknowledged and appreciated. And, and I started to see that, you know, this had an impact with people, especially because we were a group of 40 entrepreneurial dudes who I'm sure gave her a huge, ridiculous tip. Yeah. But yet she says, no, this, this thank you card is the best tip I've ever been given. That's super cool. So that was very telling to me about about what's important to people and how valuable this is uh, in the world. Well, let's pause there and take a moment to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk more about, about that, about the return on investment of gratitude. We'll be right back. Legal research is too expensive, hard to use, and time-consuming. It doesn't have to be. With Case Text, you can save $2,000 and 210 hours on legal research this year. Case Text has unique artificial intelligence technology that does a lot of the research for you. 
Just drag and drop a complaint or brief and you'll quickly find cases on the same facts, legal issues, and jurisdiction. CaseText is fast, well-designed, and comprehensive, and it's very affordable. Go to casetext.com slash lawyerist to get CaseText for $55 a month. CaseText is modern legal research trusted by over 3,000 small firms and 40 firms in the AmLaw 200. Go to casetext.com slash lawyerist to get started. If you have a small business or know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats, and some of those hats are totally great. But some, like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, are not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old-school, clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is, so let them wear one of your many hats. You have better things to do. Listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com lawyerist. That's gusto.com lawyerist. In business, reputation is everything. And while online reviews can make or break you, your best clients probably aren't showing up. And that's too bad, because if they did, you'd have more clients, more referrals, and be the top-rated law firm in your area. If you're tired of waiting for reviews to trickle in, you have a choice. Either keep waiting or get proactive with Podium. Podium helps you get more reviews on the sites that matter most. Use their messaging platform to give friendly reminders while sending clients straight to the review sites that you care about the most. With Podium's built-in analytics, you can set goals, monitor progress, and incentivize your team to reach out to more clients. Become the number one choice online. Visit podium.com slash lawyerist to save 10% when you start. That's podium.com slash lawyerist to get started and save 10%. Okay, we're back. So John, now that sounds awesome. Like just personally fulfilling and cool both for you and for the recipients of the cards that you've given. Now that it's been a while since you did that, you obviously think it's worthwhile because you're launching this on a larger scale and trying to get other people involved. But like, how should we think about that both from a personal and a business perspective? Like what is the ROI? Yeah. And I'll give you just a couple of simple examples because everyone's business is different. And I know, I know specifically you work with attorneys and I would be making stuff up if I said, <laughs> here's what an attorney can do because yeah. I might, you know, Fair get enough. someone in, in legal hot water. And that's, that's not my my thing to say. So what I what so here's what I learned. Here's a couple of things. Number one is by making it a habit and a part of our business process, it had a direct impact on our cancellation ratio. All right. Let me explain what that is. So yeah. for for me and my business, and we have you know when we start with a client, there's there's kind of a lag process, right? You meet a client, you uh, you know for us, you, you start a process on an order, and you know we're going to do some custom engraved gifts, and we're going to takes about two or three weeks for for shipment time, and then they get it, and then you know that's that's kind of it moving forward. And so I had this uh, you know in, throughout my career with the company, I at my worst, my cancellation ratio, which is inevitably you have a client who orders, and for whatever reason they cancel, either they went a different direction or they changed their mind about the product or they felt it was too high a price or whatever, right? Everyone returns things for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so at my height, it was about 10%. At my very, very best, it was about 5% in my annual sales at 5% would cancel. At the end of this year, I, the only thing, and I can, I'm telling you from the sake that 
I didn't change anything else about my business process. I had the same approaches, the same scripts, the same product, like nothing really changed in my process except for the one fact that as soon as a client placed an order, we immediately sent them a thank you card with the really simple mm -hmm. content that said, you know, hey, so great to meet you. We really appreciate your business. We know you could spend your money in a lot of different places, but we're so grateful to help you express love and gratitude with who you care about. And then it would include something personal, like I really enjoyed getting to meet you at the trade show and hearing you talk about, you know, what your team is up to this year. Year, and I really look forward to helping you guys achieve your goals in 2017. Right. Because it doesn't feel great if they just know that it just gets blasted out to everybody. Yeah, and that's a distinction. And this is where I think a lot of people miss the boat where it's like you just take your assistant and you just say, OK, here's what we're going to say to everybody. Write these cards and send it out. And there, you can tell, like, I, you know, we're all in, in business. We get enough thank you cards periodically where we can tell it's like, OK, well, this is just like, you know, a thing they send to everybody on their anniversary or on their birthday. But when you have that little component, even if it's one sentence that has them see and, and receive it as personal, they start to to view you completely differently as a business person yeah. than if it was just massively sent out. And so here's here was the result is at my lowest at my at my absolute best our cancellation ratio was 5%. At the end of this year it was down to 2.5%. Wow, cool. And the only thing we implemented was a single thank you card right after the transaction occurred before they received their product and our cancellation ratio got cut in half. Well, and, I'm, and I'm really sensitive to that because like, I think uh, a lot of lawyers could benefit because the, the relationship starts with you often starts with you collecting a shit ton of money from somebody for whom that actually feels like a shit ton of money. And it almost makes you an adversary at that point because they're like they're angry for you to prove that you're worth mm -hmm. all of that money they just dumped in your lap. And so if you actually sent them a personal note saying, thanks for trusting me with this, this huge thing. And I, I recognize how big and hard it was for you to do this, but I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to do my best. Like it feels like that might really change the underlying tone of the relationship that you have with your clients. 100% because it, it opens up this certain level of trust that you value them more as a person than as a product, than as a yeah. customer. And um, I actually have a, a story that's related to that that occurred way before the Mr. Thank You project, but was actually one of the originating seeds that actually had me think that this is a viable thing to do. So can I share that story with the listeners? Yeah, okay. yeah, so please. this is back when I was a 19 year old college student back when I lived in San Diego, California. And it was the the summer that I, I got a job selling Cutco knives house to house at, as a student, <laughs> you know, to pay for school. And I remember this one particular day that I was out doing sales calls and I, I called in this woman named Cynthia. And I go over to her house and she was a really nice woman. And, and it's one of those people you just connect with really easily. And she was just like immediately was like a like just wanted to be mom. Right. So she's really nice, offered me water and offered me a snack. And we sat down and did my presentation and she bought a modest order of our product. But we just talked a lot and we built a really good connection. You know, at this point, I had no sales experience. No, like I wasn't like a professional. You know, I was 19. Right. Mm -hmm. So here's what was crazy. So I got this order and I leave her house and, and about 24 hours later, about a day later, I get a call from Cynthia and she says, Hey, John, um, hate to do this, but I got to cancel my order. I was like, what, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Cause at this point in my life, no one had ever canceled anything. I'd never sold anything before. So this was the first in my life. And so I was really confused. I'm like, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? She's like, you know, I can't tell you much more than that, but I just need you to cancel my order. I was like, all right, I'll do it. So you know, just ripped up the paperwork or cancel it however I needed to do it. And, and I, I noticed myself just still thinking about it, like for days later, and I was just really bothered. I'm like, why did that happen? And I, I asked myself, like, 
more so, well, why am I so upset about this? I'm sure this eventually like my manager was like, Hey man, happens to the best of us. Don't worry about it. And I was like really thinking like, well, why am I still upset about it? And what I realized is I wasn't upset about losing the sale as I was about losing the relationship. Because I just thought she was a cool lady. And so, and honestly, man, I can't tell you what compelled me to do this because I wasn't a thank you card writer in my life up to that point. But I just decided I was going to write her uh, a thank you card. And so I grabbed some stationery off my mom's desk and I wrote a little note that said, you know, dear Cynthia, um, I just wanted to reach out and say thank you for your time. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to meet you and talk to you and hear about your your kids that you're so proud of and, and hear and just get to know how long you've lived in San Diego and, and just everything about getting to meet you was a great time. And I, I know and realize that right now is not the time for you to be buying any Cutco and that's completely fine. I just want to let you know that I really appreciate your time and I, and I enjoyed getting to meet you. If you ever need anything in the future, here's my cell phone number. Give me a call. God bless. And two things happened. So I sent that card out, put it in the mail. Two things happened. Number one, there was this immediate experience of relief. Like it was almost instantaneously when I finished writing that letter that I just all that upset, that anger, that whatever I was feeling just kind of went away. And that, that was that sounds like an interesting way to purge bad feelings, like find something to be thank you for instead, not petty, not passive aggressive, but just find something you can be genuinely thankful for and tell that person about it. Yeah. And that, and that's in, by the way, this is, that's a great spot to insert what I learned. One of the best definitions I learned of the word gratitude is the word gratitude is the emotion one feels when you receive a gift or experience something as a gift. Mm. And, and what's great about that <laughs> definition is like, well, yeah, it's two sided. Yeah, it, it's easy. Like, Hey, someone gives you a gift card to Amazon. Hey, great. I'm so thankful. I'm grateful. Right. You gave me a gift. I feel grateful because you gave me a gift. Right. That's one way of it. The other thing is you can look at all these life experiences that maybe were challenging or tough or that you wish didn't happen. But like in hindsight, later on, maybe it was a relationship that didn't work out that you were just so bummed out for months or maybe even years. And then later you found the right person, you got married or you got, you know, you're in a different spot and you're like, you can look back on that and be like, well, yeah, I'm glad I'm not <laughs> still together with that person. Right. Or, or, or it could be a challenge that you experienced in business that now you're a better person because of it. So you can look back on it with gratitude. So that's, that's mm-hmm. where this, this whole concept of gratitude on the personal side can really be uplifting when you just start to look at things and find the gift inside of it. So that, that's a great uh, definition to keep in mind. So th- here's the second part of that story, which is that um, two years later, I'm back at my dorm room at Gonzaga University in Washington State. That's where I was going to school. And, and I get this call out of nowhere. And uh, the, I answer, and this woman on the other line says, is this Cutco John? And I was like, yes, this is Cutco John. Who is this? Everyone called me Cutco John back then. And uh, and she's like, oh, this is Cynthia. I don't know if you remember me, but I tried to buy some knives from you a few years ago. I was like, oh, my gosh, Cynthia, of course I remember you. How can I help you? She's like, well, I'm ready to buy some Cutco. Can I still buy them from you? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I, I grab a, an order sheet and she starts listing off all these things that she wants. And, and Sam, so she keeps like listing and listing and, and item after item. And I'm writing all these things down and I'm like, I'm kind of getting a little nervous because I'm like, this is going to be like thousands of dollars. You're like, this is going to be like one of my biggest orders (laughs) I've ever had. And I'm like, the hell is happening right now? And so we finished the order and it was, it was a, it was an order approximately like three to four times as big as her original order. Yeah. I was so confused. I'm like, this is so weird. And then she says, John, do you know why I'm calling you right now? I said, I have no idea. She says, well, you know, all those years ago when I had to cancel my order, what I couldn't tell you is that I had just found out that I was diagnosed with cancer. And I was going to have to leave my job and my kids who had moved out that I was so proud of for having moved out, had to move back in to help take care of me. And while I did not want to cancel my, my order with you, I just had to, 
And when I got your letter in the mail, it really moved me because I saw that you valued me as a person rather than just a customer. And I told myself, when I get healthy, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and buy every damn knife that kid is selling. And, <laughs> and that's what happened. And it was like, it was such a, you know, that's a crazy experience to get when you're 21 years old to, to really understand the mm -hmm. value of a meaningful connection with a person that will create loyalty that you can't plan like that. I can't fit that in a business plan. What do you, you know, that's just crazy. Well, right. And like when we talk about the ROI of gratitude, it's easy to make that sound really cynical. And I think the cynical way to try and get some ROI out of it is to remove all of the person to person from it, right? You, you automate the thank you cards, they, they're canned, but the point, the whole point of the thing is making that personal connection and not being cynical about it. And if you are genuine, you can expect to get something out of it, but it's not clear when or how it might come. And maybe all you get is some personal satisfaction, but you can't, you can't do it and be cynical about it. You just have to do it and, and hope for the best and the best will probably come. Absolutely. Did I just wrap us up? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Mr. Thank You project is now a big project yes. at MrThankYou.com. We'll stick the link in the show notes where people are more likely to click it anyway, um, along with your TED Talk and your book about the Mr. Thank You project. If people are love this idea, um, I suppose they should go to MrThankYou.com and sign up and try it themselves, huh? Yeah. And so what we do now for people, because like, people say, well, like, wow, that's a really cool thing. So like, what is what does life look like now? What is this Mr. Thank You thing? And, and really our mission now, like I mentioned, is to inspire 74 million thank you cards around the world, which is effectively 1% of the world's population. And cool. the, my job now is I just, you know, I speak at conferences, events. I love doing podcasts because really the outcome that I hear and I get lots of emails from people that were like, wow, I was really inspired by what you did. You know, I, I started my own thank you project and I'm like, that's great. Like you don't need to call it the Mr. Thank you project or whatever. Just call it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's great <laughs> is we, we basically created a way because what happened is I get all these people saying like, wow, you should start tracking all these thank you cards that you're inspiring. So that's what MrThankYou.com is. It's, it's our platform that we help people. Like it's what I wish I had during the project because you can go in there and when you send a card to somebody, you can type their name in and their zip code if you want. And it basically tracks all the cards that you, you've sent around the world. And it gives you your own gratitude number. It goes to our global gratitude number. And it's just this really cool thing. So our goal, our mission is to help make gratitude a habit because we've seen the effect that it can have in an interpersonal relationships, in your own life, your well-being, your peace of mind. And, and how it impacts people's businesses. Like there's so many different creative ways I've learned from people who like have their own practices that are getting their entire teams on board to doing some type of a thank you project to appreciate their past yes. clients. And you don't have to do everything that I did. And by the way, the reason I did five a day every day for a year, part of it was because I knew people would hear that and they would say, that's crazy. I would never do that, but I might do one. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to do is we wanted to do something that's so extreme that people are like, I wouldn't do that, but I would do a much lighter version. And I think that that's completely fine. I don't think anyone needs to do five a day every day for a year <laughs> to get value. You could do one a day. I can get my head around three. <laughs> yeah, like three a day. And even for 30 days, like that, that's yeah. a, a challenge I pose to people. So we, we made, can I do a little giveaway for yeah. you? Yeah. Cool. So um, if you go to MrThankYou.com slash 30, the number is 30, um, there's a 30-day challenge packet you can download for free, and it's just got a really simple template for how to start your own thank you project. And again, you can commit to one card a day, two cards, three cards, five cards, whatever you want for 30 days, and just start to notice how what the impact is. And we love hearing stories back from people, so you can reach me directly through the website at MrThankYou.com, and, and uh, obviously the book is available on Amazon. 
Very cool. Well, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for telling us about the Mr. Thank You Project and the ROI of gratitude. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure to catch next week's episode of the Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. Lawyerist Podcast is produced with help from Lindsay Calhoun and edited by Paul Fisher. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Oh, 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 o